Why do we procrastinate? Of course I got right to it. No procrastinating here. Well, if you only knew all of the procrastination that went into this episode. But there's actually a science as to why we procrastinate, which also means there's a science to help you stop that procrastination. And today we get to the six things you need to know to help you stop or go, as it were. And it's funny because it seems everyone thinks that this is about time mismanagement. Procrastination isn't about time mismanagement. It's about a mismanagement of your emotions. So telling someone who's a chronic procrastinator to just do it is like telling someone with depression to just cheer up. That's not how it works. So don't worry. I'm on your team here. I told you, I'm your friend, the friend you may not be to yourself, and the friend that I may not always be to myself. So, are you ready, friend? Are you ready for this? Let's do it. No procrastinating here. Her hair is curly, her teeth are pearly. She's got an edge, but she's still pretty girly. Oh, oh, nothing rhymes with Dahlia. So I heard a true story this week that changed everything for me about how I see procrastination. And I thought, okay, I have to tell you about this because my goodness, I think about you all of the time when I'm eating, when I'm sleeping, when I'm dreaming. That came out a little bit wrong, but I think that you know what I mean. So Just before we get to that story, and this is not me procrastinating, thank you very much. Procrastinating is what I did before I recorded this episode. But this is just me being grateful to you. I am grateful that you take this time for us to be here with me to share these episodes, to share these videos I make. And when I do this stuff, it's pretty much just me and the wall and my thoughts of you and Fozzie Bear and you are just a figment of my imagination. You're not real when all of this is being put together. And then I see this response and then you become so very real. And you know how I say I'm the friend to you that you're not always to yourself? I think I can say the same about you in relation to me. And before this becomes some sort of hallmark TV movie of the week, let's get to those six things that you need to understand when it comes to procrastination. And I'm telling you, this is really going to flip everything that you know about procrastination on its head. In other words, and I probably just should have used these words first since they're simpler, it will improve your life. But look, everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, there's a fix, there's a cure for everything. So there's six ways to fix this, there's six ways to fix that, there's this is cured, that is cured, lose 10 pounds, stop procrastinating, start doing this, you're cured of everything. But that's not how it works. And nothing is a one size fits all thing. But what I can say, because research says this too, we are all procrastinators or at least 95% of us admit it. I'll admit it. I procrastinate a lot. I procrastinate because of perfectionism. I'll procrastinate because I'm tired. I'll procrastinate going to bed because I'm afraid I won't fall asleep. Even if I'm tired, sometimes I'll procrastinate because I know I need that time to percolate and improve upon an idea, but I take advantage of that. And I'll just say, oh, but this is improving upon an idea. This is preparing myself even more. This is making it so when I finally do it, I'll do it even better. 
I've procrastinated for reasons of self-sabotage. I've procrastinated because controlling my failure, myself, was better than allowing others control over my failure for me. Or so I thought. I've procrastinated for years, years. Like when it came to finally starting a podcast, I had the tools, I had the ability, but I lacked the structure. So one piece of the puzzle is missing and suddenly the person who's always so resourceful, resourceful for a living in fact, just gives up. Why? There's so many different reasons for procrastination. There are so many types of procrastination. But generally speaking, when we talk about this, to whatever degree, you can be sure that many, many people deal with it. And we play so many games in our mind to justify our procrastination. And then what happens is you're playing these games in your mind and you're also creating an environment around you that can help that as well. You become the people you spend time with. So if you don't feel like doing something and your friend Tommy or your friend Jenny doesn't feel like it either, then they'll say, So don't do it. Let's just live life and order a pizza and call it a day. And then you justify it to yourself again. And then that's okay. But the truth is, if that was really okay, you wouldn't still be listening to me right now. You really don't want to order that pizza and call it a day. You really want to do whatever it is you want to do. And you're just justifying ways out of it. Because maybe it's that little piece of the puzzle that you're missing. Maybe it's that fear of failure. Maybe it's something that you just can't put your finger on. But you will by the end of this episode. Also, maybe you really do want to order a pizza. And that's okay after you do what you need to do. So here's what you need to understand first. Science shows procrastination is a challenge that at least 95% of us experience. And this is research, something that you could find in the Harvard Business Review. 95% of us admit to procrastination. The other 5% are still procrastinating on that confession. See, I told you, you are not the only one, but it's great. Isn't it great to think you're the only one? I mean, then, wow, no one relates to you. So if no one relates to you, how could anyone help you? This is perfect. You get to stay stuck. No one relates to you. No one could help you. You don't have to fix anything. Just stay right there, stuck. Nope. Sorry, my little blueberry muffin. You are not the only one procrastination, it's human behavior. Procrastination is by definition, the voluntary delay of some important task that you intend to do, despite knowing that you'll suffer as a result of not doing it. Procrastination doesn't dodge pain. It's just pain with interest payments. And you are going to pay interest for borrowing that time. These are literal interest payments. And that was too easy. My apologies. But it was just, I I lobbed it to myself. I'm sorry. But seriously, research shows people who procrastinate, they have higher levels of stress and lower 
well-being. So this isn't just about becoming the most financially successful being on the planet. Everybody loves to hear about ways to stop procrastinating so you can become the most successful person in the world. That's the problem in and of itself. This is not about becoming the most successful anything. This is just about living a healthy life. I saw David Bowie in this interview the other day, and wow, I miss David Bowie. And he was talking about how he wishes that he just would have gone for this life, this life where he just wanted to create a house, a loving home, and bring food in it, and bring happiness in it, and bring love in it, instead of striving for all of these things. You don't always have to strive to be the best, to have the most, to have everything. Because look, somebody who had so-called everything, what did he wish for? So having a healthy life, living a healthy life, this is what's the most important thing. And if you make goals like that, it's amazing what else enters the equation on its own. And when it comes back to procrastination, procrastination, this is a complicated failure of self-regulation. So you know how I said you're just delaying an important task that you intend to do, right? Despite knowing you're going to suffer, you're going to suffer if you don't do this task. And you might think that this is about time and time mismanagement, but really it's a failure of self-regulation. Really, it's about a mismanagement of your emotions. And it's funny because we spend so much of our life trying to avoid these inevitable challenges that come from difficult circumstances. And it's like when you try to take this, I don't know, you see traffic and you're like, oh, I'm going to take this shortcut to get somewhere. You're just trying to avoid the traffic. You're trying to avoid all of these cars lined up because you don't want to sit and wait. And what happens when you choose the other lane? Oh, suddenly you're waiting longer. Then you try to choose a different shortcut. Oh, now your trip has become even longer. This is what happens when you try to avoid the inevitable difficult circumstances, you end up creating even more difficult circumstances for yourself. And sometimes all of those circumstances, they can feel like a storm. They become the perfect storm maybe. And you're just there and you see this storm coming and you don't know what to do. So you either freeze or you flight, right? You stay right there and you freeze in your emotions or time to run. Let's get away from this. Well, if you see that perfect storm, I have the perfect story for you. And this is a true story. And this changed so much for me this week. And it's going to change so much for you right now. So this is the story of the cow and the bison, and it's going to shift your entire perspective on procrastination. And I bet you anything, I bet you anything, you are going to share this story with somebody this week. So what happens when cows and bison are faced with a storm? Well, cows, 
they sense the storm coming, right? And then you have Bessie and company, and Bessie just seems like the right name for a cow, even though I remember in high school, my friends had a cow and they named it Norman. I don't know. I don't even know where that just came from, but it just came. So you have Bessie and company, and they try to outrun this storm. They run away as that storm is approaching. And as they're running away from that storm, Well, that storm is running towards them. It's approaching them. And if you think of any horror movie and what happens, as you run and run away from whatever monster is approaching, you end up running yourself into a corner. And lo and behold, Bessie and company, those cows are now in a corner and there's the storm pouring down on them, trapped in that corner under that storm. That seems pretty ridiculous, right? Why did silly Bessie do that to herself? Why did she try to outrun a storm? Seriously, who tries to outrun a storm? Well, don't laugh so soon because there's only one creature that shows how to deal with the storm. And it isn't you, my silly little blueberry muffin. Well, as blueberry muffins or humans, as we're called, we do the same thing. How often have you avoided paying that debt, having that conversation, taking your health more seriously, even when you know your health needs to improve? You try to outrun that storm, which is why you need to learn about how the bison deal with it. All right, so there you have the cows who are huddled together in the corner, stuck in the storm. And then you have their cousins, the bison. And what do the bison do? They take the storm head on. So rather than run away from the storm, they wait for the storm to cross right over the crest of the peak of the mountaintop. And as they see it roll over the ridge, they charge directly into the storm head on in its path. So instead of running away, they run directly at it. So what happens by running at the storm? By running at the storm, they run straight through it. They minimize the amount of pain. They minimize the amount of time. They minimize the frustration that they can experience from that storm. So you may not get to choose whether or not there's a storm, but you can choose how to respond to it. Bison charge directly into their problems because they realize that procrastination and indulgence, they're just simply creditors that are going to charge you interest. Yeah. Remember those interest payments? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I had to use that again. You knew it was coming. Come on. But I digress. So which direction are you heading? And this is what brings us to those six things that you need to understand about procrastination, even though it seems as though everything you need to know is in that story, just in and of itself. But let's break this down even further so we can build you up next. Now, the six things you need to understand about procrastination. Two of those are the big reasons behind it, and four of those are going to be ways to deal with it. 
So let's start with the big two reasons behind procrastination. Now, there are actually so many reasons really, but if we list all of these reasons, that's going to be like procrastinating on getting to the big things you need to know about. So we're going to lump many of these reasons into the two biggies, survival and fear. So according to science, number one is survival. Your brain just wants to conserve energy. It just wants to survive. It's not looking for Elon Musk's success, though Elon may be doing just that right now. It is looking to get you through the day, to complete tasks like check, 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 done. Ironically, you procrastinate because your brain loves to complete things. Completing something on your to-do list, it's just a hit of dopamine. It's a sense of accomplishment. For example, I had to put this podcast episode together for you, right? But, oh, look, there's a pineapple on the counter. I better cut it before it gets too ripe. Oh, now the compost is full. I should take this outside to the compost bin. I come back into the house. And while that's not fair for the little Pop-Tart to still be on his own, I'll play with him for a few minutes. Oh, geez, I better answer some of those emails now. Maybe while I'm here, I should post that video too. And by the time I get to the podcast, I've checked off 20 bazillion things from my to-do list. You know why we're always so, so, so busy? We love to be busy. We love to be busy because then we can justify not doing all of the things that we really should be doing and we still get to check off an entire to-do list. Boy, our brain loves that because the brain rewards that check, 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 done behavior. So if you can complete even one meaningless task, you get that sense of accomplishment, the volume of tasks. Well, that's far more important than the significance of them, right? And think how distracted we are in this day and age. There are so many things for us to accomplish, to click off a notification, email this person, call back this person, well, who really calls anymore, pay this bill, post on this social media platform, post on that social media platform. Our focus is so diluted and diluted focus leads to diluted results. Now, The number two reason that we have all of this procrastination, that first one is survival, right? Well, the other big reason that leads to procrastination, it's fear, fear, fear and company. Researchers have found that procrastinating, it's not about your time management or your ability to complete the task. It's a response to all of these competing emotions that are making you feel anxious to just begin your task. And this can be a conglomeration of things like self-regulation, your ability to manage disruptive emotions and impulses. There's self-doubt, fear, depression, anxiety, the list goes on. And I'm sure that you could list many of those emotions on that list. And they're not all the same thing, but they all need the same thing. They all need more of your self-compassion. When I was a kid, all of the time, my dad used to say this to me because I got stuck on my projects all of the time. And he'd say, paralysis by analysis. That's not his voice, but it's the voice I use when I do an impersonation of him. And my dad would say this to me because I'd always think so hard about a project before I started it that I'd gather all of this research, all of this research, and I'd never really start. 
paralysis by analysis. But I would just say, no, no, I'm just, I just want to be really good. I need to get all of this information so I could make it really good. Well, if you want to make something really good, just, just start it. Because you know what? Us humans, we are incredibly adaptable little blueberry muffins. And if we actually just start something, it's extraordinary how that can help us navigate that something even better than creating some story in our mind as to how that something will transpire. So if you just start it, you'll probably do it even better than if you just keep thinking and thinking and thinking about it. You need to experience it. You need to do it. So in reality, I wasn't waiting for it to be really good. Really good doesn't just come to you. I was waiting to get over the self-doubt. How could I make this as good as possible? Make it perfect because perfectionism isn't striving for perfection as defined. It's striving for safety. It's striving to get it as right as possible. It's striving to avoid blame, avoid shame, avoid criticism. And that's the perfectionist trap. And boy, like I would fall into that perfectionist trap. And we spoke about this in episode 22, reasons why you take other people's opinions too seriously. I suggest you listen to that so you don't take other people's opinions too seriously. But how does it even help you to know the reasons behind procrastination if you don't know how to tackle those things that are procrastinating you? How do you do things when you don't feel like doing them or when you're afraid of doing them? Okay, well, I said that you need to know six things about procrastination. The first two were the reasons behind it. And now we get to the four ways to deal with it. And number one takes us right back to that bison story. Think like a bison. Waiting always makes it worse. Don't run the other way. Don't avoid it. Don't hope it goes away. Just take it. Take it head on. It's funny because as a kid, I would say all of these things that my dad said to me, and I would repeat them as if I was saying jokes. Like these were just ways that I made fun of my father in the most loving sort of way, of course. But As an adult, I look at all of these things that my dad said to me, and I say it in a joking way, but I mean it very seriously. And now these once, oh, that's such a dad thing to say, are now such great pieces of advice for me to live by, even though they're still a little bit funny, especially if I do it in his voice with my horrible impersonation. Like another thing he'd often say, it'll come and it'll go. And he's right. It'll come and it'll go. That's more like how he would say it. But that's exactly what happens. It will come and it will go. And before the bison story, to make it come and to make it go faster and to make myself do it, I used to say, think it, say it, act it, this act it. That was, I love sayings. I don't know. Wow. If I had kids, boy, would they make fun of me. But I would say this act it. So this is the advice from this act it. How many times have you done something and you didn't realize you could do it, right? Now, this doesn't mean doing something eliminates self-doubt, but doing eliminates the waiting to find out. And it's in that waiting 
that you develop more and more fear. So if you just think, well, just thinking will get paralyzed. You'll just get paralyzed. So that's why you need to think it, say it, act it to avoid paralysis by analysis because that's rooted in self-doubt. Thinking feeds self-doubt. So think it, but then say it. And by saying something, that makes things happen. That scientifically makes things happen. Like I'm going to record this podcast for you and I could think about it and I'm going to record this episode and I'm going to do research on this and I'm going to do research on that. But no, I am going to do this and I'm going to lift the microphone, put it to my face after I have already done the research and I don't have to keep doing it and doing it and I think it and I say I'm going to do this podcast right now and that makes things happen. Scientifically, it puts you in a different state. A thought becomes words, words become your actions. So think it, say it, then act it actually do it, disact it, because your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your character, and watch your character become your destiny. And that is really who you want to be, as Mahatma Gandhi would say. I cannot take credit for that, but... I do know that that works because that is how I've taken my destiny into my own hands. So again, you think it, you say it, you act it, it happens. Not because that's a good expression, this act it. I wouldn't use it and thank goodness again that I don't have kids because boy, would they make fun of it. Go ahead, you can make fun of it for them. But there's no shortcut here. That's all I'm trying to say. How do you do things you know you should be doing even when you don't want to do them? It's not a fancy formula. It's just discipline. The discipline to think it, to say it, to act it, So number two, you'll hear people say you need discipline, but in order to have discipline, research finds you need something perhaps even more important than that to create it. To have discipline, you also have to want it, right? How do you know if you want it or if you're just doing something because you're doing it for someone else or because that's just the way it is? Is this really something you want? You have to want it more than you're afraid of it. You have to want it more than you want comfort. You have to want the journey more than you want the destination. Like, I hate running, but I hate not running more. And it's a really weird way to express this to you, but I wanted to express it with something that no, like I don't like running. But when I stop running, I realize, wow, I dislike not running a whole lot more. So the other day, for example, the first snowfall of the season, and I'm sorry that I just said the S word here, but it's the first snowfall of the season and I'm tired and I don't have the proper winter running clothes right now. And I have a million things to do. If I ask myself, do I want to run today? The answer is no. The answer is always no. If I ask myself, should I run today? 
well, I have a lot of things to do. I'm not fully prepared with my clothes. I need to get this done and this done and this done. But if I say, okay, it's snowing today. I have to get this and this and this done today. How will I do this? Okay, well, first, I need to make sure I'm out the door by 10 a.m. so I can still have time for this and this and this. And how many layers do I need? Well, probably 100 million. So I will get this many layers ready to put on my body. And then you just do it. You just run. Because if I would keep questioning whether or not I'm going to do this by the time that I were set to go out for a run... I wouldn't even have the energy to run anymore. So I never ask myself, do I want to run today? I know that answer. I don't. But I also know that the feeling I get from running is better than the feeling I have from not running. And I want that. Okay, so that's just uh, a running story. There are no real consequences to it, right? You want a real story where I've actually done something that has more consequences that shows how that can work. Well, my work is put on a public platform, right? For other people to judge, for other people to effectively have a say in my career. And it's funny because people tell me, well, you thrive under pressure, Dahlia, and that's when you perform. But I've come to understand why I so-called thrive under pressure. I'm a thinker. I'm an overthinker. And under pressure, I just don't have time to think. A quick thought becomes an action, and that becomes something that happens. And yes, I also use my I thrive under pressure excuse as a way to procrastinate. But here's that lesson in it. Whatever I do where I thrive under pressure, like think of going on stage. If I thought of everything I was going to say before I started talking to a convention center full of people and how everything would play out or could play out. I mean, if I say, do you want to talk to all these people? Should you talk to all of these people? Can you talk to all of these people? I wouldn't do it. Because that leaves room for self-doubt. That leaves room for a negative response. That leaves room for an out. I could answer no to any of those things. Should I? No. Do I want to? No. Do I want to put myself in a position where I say, here, everybody, hi, judge me? No, I would not do it. But if I say, how will I go about this? That's the only option to go about it. And then action takes over. I remember my first radio show I ever did. I thrive under pressure because pressure doesn't give me options. I had to talk live into that microphone on September 3rd, 2013 at 1.04 p.m. because the news went until 1.03 p.m. and then commercials. And that was a commitment. It was scheduled. I had a deadline to do it. And I had the integrity to 
to have my actions match with my words that said, yes, I will be a talk show host and I will start this show September 3rd, 2013 at 104 p.m. Even though I have no idea what it means to be a talk show host because I had never done that before. But my words of commitment had to align with my actions of commitment. Was I scared? Absolutely. Did I want to do it? Absolutely not. Did I have time for these questions to go through my mind? Barely, because I had to focus on the task at hand. And I worked hard to get there because I wanted it. When you want the end result, you don't have to actively discipline yourself. Instead, the desire disciplines you. Like, I could just look at Fozzie Bear, my little mini golden doodle over there, and he can be a super lazy little moo head. But if I hide a dollop of peanut butter somewhere, well, suddenly his desire to get that clump of peanut butter, he is climbing over and under anything in his lazy little path to find it. So again, to have discipline You have to want it, but how do you know if you want it or if you're doing it for someone else? That is next. Stay with me. When you don't know what to do, if you have to ask everyone, then you don't know what to do. Don't do anything. If you have to pick up that phone and text this person and that person and call this person and that person and ask all of these people on your list of, I get advice from this person and that person, do not do it. When you don't know, there are three of you to ask. Actually, they will tell you. And who are the three of you? The three of you are these three parts of you, to be more specific. You have your heart, you have your brain, you have your gut. And I will never forget, because this came from my conversation with Dr. Gabor Mate, and you can listen to that a few podcasts ago. But you have your heart, you have your brain, you have your gut. And when they are in alignment, that is when you find your truth. But how do you know they're in alignment? Because you'll feel at peace. You know you made a good decision without asking for validation. You will not have to text those people and say, what do you think? Is this okay? Should I? No. You'll know. When you don't feel the need to text all of those people and ask, then you know you are in alignment with yourself. And then you don't need discipline because then you're doing it for the journey, not the destination. And the person who loves walking doesn't need discipline to walk because they just enjoy it. They love it. The person who loves walking will walk further than the person who loves the destination. I don't run to get to the destination. I can get to the destination with a car. I run for the journey. When I'm running outside in the snow, and I said the S word again, and I'm 
apologizing for that right now. But when I run outside, when the wind is slapping my face, and when I am running over these rocks, and sometimes I jump over them, even though there's no need to jump when I could just do a normal stride over them, but I want to feel like a warrior. For me, it's in the journey. It's not when I cross the finish line and get back home. It's in those jumps over those rocks that I didn't even have to jump over. When you do it for the journey, not the destination, you don't need discipline. It's just automatically there. Which brings us to number three in how to deal with overcoming procrastination. Because that journey may be long. And you're not just running through a passing storm here like those bison. So should you go for it? Is it time yet? Can you really make it happen? Are you sure? And so you may ask yourself, when should I start? Should I start? Can I really do this? Is there enough time? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough fight? Do I have enough ability? Any question that starts like that, should I, can I, do I? Those questions give you the opportunity to reply with a negative. You don't have to be toxically positive, okay? But don't allow any question of commitment. It's not, should I, can I, do I? It's, how do I do it? And what do I need to do it? Commit to it. Commit. Ask yourself how, and the commitment will be in that answer. And so this brings us to the fourth way to overcome procrastination, which is kind of like a choose your own adventure or a 4A and 4B. So I'm going to give you a couple options here. And even though option number one is an option I made up, I'm kind of veering towards option number two now. But also as a creature of habit, I recognize that I'll probably continue with option number one, my five minute rule. My five minute rule is you don't want to do it. Okay, do it for five minutes. You don't want to do it. Do whatever it is for five minutes. Run just five minutes. Work for five minutes. You want to write that book? Just do it for five minutes. You want to make that video? Just do it for five minutes. You want to start that website? Put five minutes into it. Whatever it is that you want to do that you cannot make yourself start doing, do it for five minutes. And that five minute rule, watch how it works because then once you do it for five minutes, you're going to do it for five minutes more and then you'll do it for five minutes more. And the thing about that rule is that it's not about how long you do something, it's about starting it and starting it doesn't give room for the self-doubt. So you start it and all of a sudden, all of that self-doubt, which is the stories that you're going to create, those stories of why you're not able to do it, they're just going to disappear. Now, that five-minute rule, it works, but if you want something with fewer numbers, it sounds simpler and boy, we love playing games with our brains, right? So this is fewer numbers and I think that you're really going to like this. And the way you see this, when you understand this one degree rule, yeah, fewer numbers, simpler already, and it is science, it's going to change. It's going to change how you see your destination in relation to your journey. This is aviation science, actually. So what happens when a plane takes off? 
with one degree of difference. The pilot registers one degree of difference into their flight plan, right? Well, for every one degree traveled off course for 100 kilometers, the plane is going to land about one kilometer off of the intended destination. And if you're an imperial type of person here, thanks for making me do math. 60 miles off course will be about one mile off course for every 60 miles that you're flying off course. So this means if you stayed just one degree off course and you're flying from New York to LA, you're flying from JFK to LAX, instead of landing at LAX, you're one degree off course, you're going to land somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Or if you're that Korean air flight from September 1983 and you start about one degree off course and you end up in Soviet airspace, you could end up with a tragic ending in which 269 passengers and crew members died when that plane was shot down. One degree off course was the error at the beginning of that flight plan. One degree can make a huge difference. So pick something to do and do it one degree better today and then never stop doing it. And it will make all of the difference in the world. It will make all of the difference in your world. Look, really, you just need to train your brain to process differently. And in order to do that, you need to practice self-compassion when you do it. Then 99.99999% of what happens, it happens in the journey. But you're too busy to realize that you're even doing anything. And by the time you get to your destination, nothing is really happening. You're there. You're at the mountaintop. And then you look up and you probably see just another mountaintop in front of you because there is always another journey. There is always another destination. And I will tell you this, it will always be hard to enjoy that destination because you'll always see that next destination. You'll always see that next mountain. So I want you to remember this story when you're in that journey. When you're in that storm and you feel like you are going nowhere, if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, you're not going anywhere, what's the point? I want you to think of the Chinese bamboo tree. A Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. It has to be watered and fertilized, and it has to be cared for every single day. Every single day you have to water that. Every single day you have to go and care for it. And every single day you will go back there and what will you see? Nothing. Nothing for five years. It doesn't break through the ground for five years. And then after five years, when you've been watering that and caring for it every single day, you go back one day and now it's broken through the ground. And not only does it break through the ground, but it breaks records too. According to Guinness World Records, some species of this bamboo can grow up to about three feet a day, one and a half inches 
an hour, you could actually sit in front of this Chinese bamboo tree and watch it grow right before your eyes. And this is going to grow to about 100 feet tall, if not more, in only three months. But during those five years, every single day, you go out there and you see absolutely nothing. You don't see anything happening. But there was so much happening. And you'll see. One day, you'll have invested so much into yourself and you'll realize that you've outgrown everything you thought you were. And you've outgrown even caring about what other people think of you while they all sit in that same spot, resentful and miserable, whilst you went off and did everything they hoped you could never do. Invest in yourself. Do not invest in other people's opinions. And remember this, if you have a plant that doesn't grow, are you going to blame the plant? Or are you going to blame the environment? Are you going to blame the lack of sun? Are you going to blame the lack of water? Are you going to blame the lack of space around it? So if your plant isn't growing, leave the environment. Kind of funny that I say that to you right before I sort of kick you out, but I'm not kicking you out, but I'm just saying, there you have it. Episode 24, I will tell you, I could have found a million different things to do when I was trying to put this together for you. And I tried at the beginning and then I went and I just took the exact advice that I gave you because it's hard. It's hard to do. But there we have episode 24 in the books on top of mountain number 24, just looking now at mountain number 25. And before you head out to your mountain, I want to thank you for dropping by the Neighboralia. I want to thank you for your messages, for your kindness, for your comments, for sharing these episodes. And please share this with a friend who needs to know that they can grow that healing is always possible and that they can be a beautiful Chinese bamboo tree. And as your friend, may I ask you to follow this podcast? And if you don't want to miss the world's leading expert on narcissism, Dr. Keith Campbell, you will want to make sure you follow this podcast. And please leave a review wherever you listen. It just helps people find us more easily. And I just want to help people live and help live. And since you're here, I'm pretty sure that you'd like to do that too. But I know that you have mountains to climb and I know that you have storms to run into. So go on and run into that storm. Use this episode as your metaphorical umbrella. And if you need a smile while you're doing that, while you're braving that storm, you can use my thizactic to make fun of me. So thanks for dropping by the neighboralia. And yes, you can make fun of me with that too. Now go live and help live. Oh, oh, nothing rhymes without ya. Nothing rhymes without ya. Nothing rhymes without ya. Neighboralia. <laughs>